0: It's Monday, February 13th, 2017. I'm Charles Sharetta and this is SIT. We're on chapter 21 of the Tao Te Ching and we're going to switch versions again today to a translation by a guy named Frederick Henry Balfour who wrote his version in 1884. So not a recent translation by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it's, it's an interesting one. He discusses in a prefatory note why he chose to provide an additional translation when there were already five at the time. And his apology seems almost comical to us now, given that there are hundreds of translations in English. But his explanation is interesting. And I'll read it after we sit today without further ado. Then here it is chapter 21, the Balfour translation. The appearance of virtue in its fullest exuberance is no more than the result of compliance with the Tao. Tao considered as an entity is obscure and vague, vague and obscure yet within it. There is form obscure and vague, yet within it there is substance, vacuous and unfathomable, yet within it there is quintessential energy, and this is supremely real. Within it, too, there is trustworthiness. From ancient down to modern times, its name has never been lost. By it, I can include, in the range of my observation, the whole of animate nature. How am I cognizant of the acquiescence of animate nature in Tao? By Tao itself. Okay. Shifting into a comfortable position now. If you're sitting in a chair, put both feet firmly on the floor so that you feel solid. Let your hands rest on your legs or in your lap. We talked uh, last week, I think, about uh, connecting the index finger and the thumb. So that's one possibility of what to do with your hands. But ultimately, you get to decide. Yeah. I encourage you to sit up straight. That's always good for us, given the way that we're constructed. Let your head straighten above your spine and we'll sit for 10 minutes. And we'll also take some time for gratitude practice at the end of today's program. Allowing yourself to breathe from the belly. Just allow whatever is there, as you breathe from the belly, to be there. It's okay. As you breathe into the belly and thoughts arise and emotions are there, can you take a moment now to inquire into your true nature? Who are you really? Can you do that in a way in which you're asking your heart and not your mind? Who are you really? This is an opportunity for a question and an answer that goes beyond the words. Who are you and what do you want? And is what you want real? So then again, who are you? And if you can, just let go of the thoughts that arise as you're inquiring and and seek within yourself more deeply than the thought. Keep asking your heart. Maybe you can ask in a way that doesn't need words. Keep breathing from the belly as you do that. When you're ready, just let the focus come back to the breath completely. Whatever enters your conscious mind now, just give it your compassion. If you can, show it that you understand, and come back to your breath. Okay, before I go back to chapter 21 today, I want to read uh, a part of what Balfour says in his prefatory note. I think it's really interesting because it, it points at a lot of the problems with most translations of the Tao Te Ching. He says, it is only after some years of hesitation that I have undertaken a new version of the Tao Te Ching. The task has already been performed by Julian, Chalmers, Strauss, Plickner, and Legg, most of whom, at any rate, are scholars of the first water. But it occurs to me, and with all deference I make the avowal, that one prime defect lies at the root of every translation that has been published hitherto, and that is that not one seems to have been based solely and entirely on commentaries furnished by members of the Taoist school. The Confucian element enters largely into all, and here, I think, an injustice has been done to Lao Tzu. To a Confucianist, the Taoist system is in every sense of the word a heresy, and a commentator holding this opinion is surely not the best expositor. It is as a grammarian rather than as a philosopher that a member of the Zhu Chia deals with the Tao Te Ching. He gives the sense of a passage according to the syntactical construction rather than according to the genius of the philosophy itself, and in attempting to explain the text by his own canons instead of by the canons of Taoism, he mistakes the superficial and apparently obvious meaning for the hidden and esoteric interpretation. One of the greatest reproaches leveled at the Taoist system by Confucian scholars is the alleged scorn of ethical morality attributed to Lao Tzu and his followers. They have been represented as ascribing all the troubles and vices of China to the example of Yao and Shun, and to the doctrines respecting benevolence, rectitude, ceremonies, and music enforced by the sages who immediately succeeded them. Lu Tzu... In his commentary, vehemently controverts this theory and strives to prove not only that Taoism and Confucianism are at one upon such points, but that the latter is actually based upon the former, being a mere carrying out in practice, a careful systematizing, as it were, of the radical doctrines of Lao Chun. The fact that I have entirely discarded all assistance from commentators of the Confucian school is my only excuse for coming forward with a new translation of this important classic. And I think that note is especially relevant for chapter 21 here, because what we're talking about initially, what the Tao Te Ching is talking about initially in this chapter, is the relationship between virtue or Dei, which is really related to Confucianism, and the Tao. So let's reread it here. The appearance of virtue in its fullest exuberance is no more than the result of compliance with the Tao. Tao, considered as an entity, is obscure and vague. Vague and obscure, yet within it there is form. Obscure and vague, yet within it there is substance. Vacuous and unfathomable. Yet within it, there's quintessential energy, and this is supremely real. Within it, too, there's trustworthiness. From ancient down to modern times, its name has never been lost. By it, I can include in the range of my observation the whole of animate nature. How am I cognizant of the acquiescence of animate nature in Tao? By Tao itself. Yeah, so once again here, we're instructed, if that's the right word, and I think probably it's not, we are informed that the way to true virtue is not by listing out what virtuous attributes are and then making an effort to follow them. The way to true virtue is not looking outside of ourselves to see how people who we identify as virtuous are behaving and mimic their model. The virtuous path lies within us already, as the Tao. Now, the truth of the matter is that everything is the way. I recently watched a video, a video interview with James Hillman, who was a psychologist who was involved with the Jung Institute in Zurich. And Hillman passed away in 2011, but before he did, he gave an interview in which he points out that our belief that we're separate from nature is false. Do we need nature? Yeah, of course we need nature, but it goes even deeper than that. We are not separate from nature. We ourselves are part of nature, and that includes everything that we do, no matter how much it seems as if it's not part of nature. Construction of a skyscraper? Sitting inside and working at a computer all day long? That's part of nature too. Manufacturing detonation of a one megaton hydrogen bomb? That is part of nature, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately that's part of nature too. So if it's all part of nature, then what's the fucking problem? Well, we're a unique little species, aren't we? We get by in the world by believing things, by having a mythical belief system. And when we don't understand that we're part of nature, and when we don't understand that the Tao is within us, and that we need look no further than within ourselves in order to reveal the virtuous, we create suffering. We're lost. And being lost, and that suffering may be part of the way too, but it doesn't have to be like this. You can have less suffering in your life. How do you know that? Don't take my word for it. Look within yourself and see if it's true. Anything that I'm saying, any interpretation of any particular chapter, any suggestions I have during meditation, are simply my words and my perspective. Ultimately, you get to decide on what is true and what's not. And if I'm able to help you a little bit in finding your own truth, then for that I'm sincerely grateful. So what's another way to put that final sentence in the Balfour translation, which itself is a little bit wordy? How am I cognizant of the acquiescence of animate nature in Tao? by Tao itself. That's Balfour's words. What about saying, how can I be sure of the presence of Tao in nature? By looking within myself. Okay, let's take some time now for our gratitude practice. And as always, if this isn't enough time for you here, then feel free to take plenty of time on your own. Stop this and take more time yourself, however much time you need to, uh, to really awaken to that which you're grateful for in your life. As I mentioned before, I like to start with small specific things that I'm grateful for in my life and then broaden to the more general, but you can approach this however you feel is best for you. Three, four, possibly five things will take 30 seconds Let's begin. all right, I can really feel my heart today. It's, uh, it's there. It's there in my chest. It's there with all the fear and anxiety, all the bullshit that we all carry around with us. Your heart's still there. My heart's still there, beating in our chests. Thanks for sitting with me today. And have a good day. Mm Mince. Mince. Mince.